Welcome to the podcast where we talk rock. I am your host, GMH, and you are listening to the second episode of Talk and Rock with GMH. Let's talk and rock. It's Talk and Rock with GMH. All right, welcome to the second episode of Talk and Rock with GMH. Like last time, we are going to start off with the song of the week. So today's song is Loner by Black Sabbath. So Black Sabbath has been one of my favorite bands for a long time now, and they released the song Loner on their 2013 album entitled 13. It's a really cool song. It shows off a lot of what Black Sabbath can do, and it definitely carries a lot of their very unique and fun sound. Um, it's one of my favorite songs by them although it is new it still has their original sound that they had on their original first albums like black sabbath and paranoid um it's a very fun song to listen to and i highly recommend this one go check it out now we have a very special guest so hi guys, I'm here with our guest. I'm going to be interviewing Joachim Chachanov of the local Winnipeg tech death band Cause of Death. How are you, Joachim? Pretty good, how are you? Good, thanks for letting me interview you. So you just released your band's first self-titled EP, right? Yeah. So I understand you recorded the EP in your own house. What was that like? Uh, well, uh, our drummer, Nathan, basically just brought all of his drums over, and, uh, my dad sort of has a home studio set up, uh, and he has, like, an eight-input audio interface, so, and he has, like, a bunch of microphones to record it with, so, uh, we just sort of plugged it all in, uh, recorded it, and then... It's a really small room, so the acoustics weren't the best, so what we did to get, like, a very good studio drum sound was um, we used this program called uh, Addictive Trigger, which basically uh, listens to the exact sound of uh, Nathan's real drums, and we it's sixty percent all sixty percent or more of like all of Nathan's drums, but there's like we just blended in a bit of that triggered sample, so that just gave it that bassy sound, so it sounded like very professionally done. And basically, the, when Nathan came, all we really did was worry about getting his parts down because we only had him for a day. Like, I could work on my guitar parts and vocals any other day. But, right. yeah, so we once we got that down, then over the next while, I uh, just, you know, made sure I perfected my parts, added harmonies, solos, and the vocals I basically just did in, like, a few days. But the guitars I was pretty nitpicky on. Right, and, and then, yeah. So how many guitar parts did you track for each song, roughly? Uh, tra- uh, well, there's, it was actually different for each one. Uh, uh, like, for Transcendent, there was actually one main guitar part that's playing that lead part, and then, um, I added in a harmony during that sort of fast technical riff, like that bridge where it's like that double time drum part before the chorus section. Uh, and uh, then there was just the overdub that I did for the solo in it. But then there's something different, like Beyond Human Capacity. 
yeah. which I layered a lot more guitars over each other, even though they were playing the same thing. And then I added in tons of like harmonies and I did some cool panning stuff too. Even in Transcendent, if you listen on headphones then in that intro, in the mm-hmm. intro of the song where it's just the guitar shots, like you'll hear it come through one ear and then through another ear. And I did that also in Beyond Human Capacity at the like that there's a heavy breakdown slam slammy part at the end with right. like the pinch harmonics and I did for the intro of that section, uh, I panned it uh, in a certain way that I thought was pretty cool, like going in through one ear, through the out. And then uh, the Xenolith Passage, the last song on the EP, uh, I did some cool stuff like layering even more guitars, but they were all like playing the same thing. And there's like a lot of, if you listen closely, there's like a lot of intricacies of a bunch of stuff doing different things at once. Yeah. I like that sort of aspect because... If you when you're doing stuff like layering, if you just copy the same part over and again, over and over again, all it does is really make it louder. It doesn't make it sound fuller. But if you record the same thing like multiple times, then it sort of gives this like very uh, beefy part element to it. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. To like just give a bigger element to the guitars. So did you find it very difficult, or did you feel like you had more control over the sound? Uh, well, I thought it's better doing it on your own. Like, if I could say to anybody, which a lot of local Winnipeg musicians do, they all record at home and, like, pay somebody to mix and master. Because recording in a studio, you're talking, like, $1,000 a day. Right. For recording, when if you do it at home and know what you're doing, uh, you have all the time in your world. But luckily for me, uh, my dad has been in the music industry for, like, many years. Um, Right. So he knows what he's doing, and he's recorded about like ten albums on his own at home. So, he, so yeah, we were basically fine, and obviously he didn't need to charge me because yeah. he's my dad. So, yeah, well, on the EP, you were able to produce a very original sound, and it sounded very unique. And it was really cool how you were able to show off what your band can do. Yeah, for sure. So you guys have also had some really cool experiences as a band. I understand you opened up for Soulfly in February. How was that? Oh, that was a very amazing experience. Um, that playing, it was a great opportunity. Big thank you to Corey Thomas from Ninja Cat Productions for letting us do that and bringing all those bands there. If you if you don't know what happened, like he did, the coronavirus took a very big toll on him because of all the bands canceling and he lost like 10 grand in debt and he didn't even think he was going to be able to keep booking bands but luckily everybody donated so we're gonna have many more shows but with him but um yeah yeah, it was really awesome getting to meet max cavalera of soulfly because he's a very legendary musician from like the 80s and like the brains behind sepultura so it was almost like opening up for sepultura basically yeah, and they're all really nice guys, and I actually had the pleasure of going on his tour bus. Really? So, how did you feel um, to be able to gain more of a following by opening up in front of Soulfly's fans, who um, were able to uh, get to hear your music and then be able to go look you up and start listening to you guys? Um, how did it feel to get more pl- publicity? 
Oh, uh, that was very, very awesome. A lot of people saw us and uh, even wanted to buy merch. They bought tons of merch, which is awesome. We bought, we bought, we got like almost three hundred dollars in merch sales. Really? Like a lot of people bought merch, which was really awesome. Really? Uh, yeah, and it just felt awesome that everybody was into it and was moshing because a lot of what happens when there's like an opening band they like the crowd usually doesn't like going crazy but for uh, it was really awesome that they had energy for us i saw the video that you guys posted and it looked like they were really enjoying it so uh with the covid19 outbreak what's your plan for the future to you know start performing and gigging like that again uh well we uh, we hopefully have uh, a gig in July that's unannounced yet, so I can't say too much about that. But hopefully that happens, mm-hmm. uh, and there probably will be many more Park Theater gigs with Corey because he's one of our very good uh, mentors and yeah people that help. He's one of the biggest people that helps us out the most. I love the Park Theater. Yeah, it's like my favorite venue to play at. Yeah, and all, yeah. Uh, but what I'm doing is I'm I'm one of the main I'm I'm the main writer. So uh, what I'm basically doing right now is writing, finishing writing the whole album myself, and also writing uh, my own solo stuff. Really? Yeah, all at home. Is it going to be Tech Death too? Your own solo stuff? Uh, it's sort of like experimental, multi-genre. Actually, I have some weird stuff in it. Hmm. One final question. If you could pick, what is your favorite song on the EP and why? Uh, I, I gotta say, uh, Transcendent is probably one of my favorite songs off the EP. Uh, just because it showcases a lot of talent and technique and the lyrical content is like probably the deepest in that song. Right. Yeah, and, um, I just really like how the section changes, like the mood changes a lot in the song and goes into many, it progresses a lot. Yeah, that's definitely my favorite song off the EP too. I remember I stayed up late that night and downloaded it uh, right at 12 and that's the first song I listened to and it gave me a great first impression of your band and I absolutely loved it. Well, thank you so much for coming on as a guest on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you on, and hopefully we can have you back in the future. Um, So now you're going to play a song for us. So here's Joachim Joachinov doing a guitar playthrough of the opening song on his EP, Transcendent.
that was Joaquim Chachanov doing a guitar playthrough of the opening track on his band's self-titled EP, uh, Transcendent, um, by his band, Cause of Death. Now we're going to be talking about one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, also, one of my favorite and what I believe to be one of the best Guns N' Roses albums, Appetite for Destruction, their first album. So, Appetite for Destruction um, is the debut studio album by Guns N' Roses. Uh, it was released on July 21st, 1987 by Geffen Records. Um, the album was, was released uh, to, the, to little mainstream attention in 1987. It was not till the following year um, that the album was able to gain massive commercial success after the band had toured and received airplay with the singles Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, and Sweet Child of Mine, which topped on the Billboard 200 and became the best-selling debut album of all time. So this album is a really cool album. Um, It had all the original members, of course, of Guns N' Roses, which I think is the best out of any lineup that they've been through. Um, it definitely has some really cool songs. They're all fun, energetic songs to listen to. It's one of those albums that, you know, you can just sit to and listen to the entire album. Um, it has some great songs. Some of them they do not play anymore and have not played for a while, uh, but it definitely has some great songs. My favorite song on that album for sure would have to be Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, it's always been one of my favorite songs of all time. Some other songs that I haven't mentioned yet um, that were not the three ones that were on the Billboard Top 200, Welcome to the Jungle, Paradise City, and Sweet Child of Mine. Um, So these are some of my other favorite songs off this album, which weren't as popular so it's so easy, really cool song, really cool bass line. It's also a really fun song. Night Train, one of my favorite songs of all time. I love the drums, especially with the cowbell and stuff. And Out to Get Me is also a really cool song. It has, I don't know, it's just uh, a fun song, you know, to rock out to and stuff. And then Mr. Brownstone, um, which gives you like a lot of excitement when you hear it and it's just a really cool song and when I hear it every time you know I just want to tap along with the drums and sing for sure a lot of people also really like I do too but also really like the um albums use your illusion one and two which came after the band's second album um GNR lies, uh, but this is appetite for destruction. I feel um, played a huge role in rock and roll, and was able to um, get the band to discover their original sound that they have included in all of their songs following. And I feel that this, without this album, Guns N' Roses would not be what they are today. And Guns N' Roses has, like, forever been one of my all-time favorite bands. I got 
to go see them live in 2017, I believe. And, you know, when I just hear these songs, they're just so fun. And it was so cool, especially at the concert and stuff. They're all very recognizable songs. Um, very easy songs to listen to. Um, it's a just a great album. And it has had so much to do on on rock music and history and music history. And it's definitely had a big effect on me and inspired me to do so much more as a musician and be able to turn a basic riff and stuff into an awesome song. Um, and I also really like Axl Rose. Um, his vocals definitely add a lot to the music and are able to, give some attitude to the music and definitely he gives a very energetic feel to the music and without his awesome vocals it wouldn't be the same album that it is and especially with Slash's um, fast solos and crazy guitar riffs um, Duff McKagan's awesome um awesome bass lines and Izzy Stradlin with some awesome lyrics that he has wrote um and he also writes a lot of the music too and one of my favorite drummers of all time who um adds a lot of feel on the drums and is very into the music that he plays but he left the band, uh, he was kicked out of the band after their second album, Steven Adler, he's just such a cool guy, and he's always been one of my favorite drummers, and my favorite drummer, out of the two in Guns N' Roses, and I think Appetite is really, you know, good, and it shows off a lot for him for sure, too. This episode has been very fun, thanks again to Akeem Trochanoff for letting me interview him, I'm your host, GMH, and thanks for listening to the second episode of Talk and Rock with GMH. Let's talk and rock. It's Talk and Rock with GMH.